Welcome to the White Man Can't Jump podcast. This is your host, John Whited, a.k.a. Mr. No Look. And today I'm joined by two of my close friends, Ian Cathcart and Andrew Brownlee. Guys, it was great seeing you this weekend up in Nova. How are you guys doing up there? Doing all right, recovering a little bit, but uh, doing pretty good, man. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks. Yeah, I had a good time. I'm excited to hop back on the pod, the first repeat guest. It's such an honor. I'm glad you think so. I appreciate coming back on. It means it wasn't too bad of an experience for you. Yeah, I guess I'll get through it. <laughs> All right, well, let's jump right in. We have reached the conference finals in both the Eastern and Western Conference uh, with the Western Conference kicking off yesterday. Um, the Phoenix Suns versus the Los Angeles Clippers. Both are, like, so much of this playoffs have been riddled with injuries, and both of these teams are without their best player. Um, but that didn't mean... Game one wasn't a thrilling game, led by your point guard, foot filling in for the point god, Devin Booker, who had 40, 13, and 11 on 15 and 29 shooting. At uh, one point in the third quarter, he scored 16 straight to carry the Suns and eventually open up a lead in the fourth that they would hang on to most of the fourth and eventually put the Clippers away. Um, it was another game pointing to an ascension from Devin Booker. I mean, we've seen it all this playoffs and really the regular season as well, but it seems like every week he's taking another leap forward, um, you know, and just submitting himself as a superstar in this league. Brownlee, what do, you, what do you think about Booker? Is he a legitimate superstar that you can build a team around and he can be your number one on a championship team? Yeah, I think so. He has always been just an absolute bucket since he got into the league. Um, Part of something that I think might have helped his development in a few other areas is like they relied on him so much that he actually did get some of the point experience prior to this year where he was being a facilitator. And so he's had the reps to be able to step in with CP3 out. I'm not saying he's a better point guard than CP3 is, but you know they're no chance. Uh, I mean, they they can't be more different players. Um, you know, CP3 plays like a point guard in a very traditional sense of the word. He tries to make people better. He's a floor general. Uh, Booker is kind of like the modern incarnation of where this like positionless, you know guard, score, facilitator, hybrid role is going to, I think. Yeah, one man, one man show um, who, you know, while he definitely had the best game out there, um, you know, it wasn't just him. There was uh, six guys in double figures for the Suns, which we've seen all playoffs where they have six guys averaging 10 or more, um, all five starters in the game, and Last night, we're in double figures. Um, so he definitely got some help, but he, he took over the game when it mattered and and showed that he is uh, a full-blown superstar. And, you know, it's just been great to watch him ascend because, you know, everyone's seen this talent. Um, 
and knew it could translate into something more than we saw. I mean, he's still super young. I think, how old is he, 24? Yeah, turning 25 at the end of October. Yeah, so, I mean, um, the Bright Now Suns, I mean, they're, they're looking great. I mean, they got CP3 on another year of his contract, which looks like he'll he'll definitely be worth the $40 million that he'll be paid or so. Um, and, you know, who knows what they'll do after that with him. You'll see, you know, he'll be 37 at the end of next year. So, you know, the idea of paying him another $40 million a year um, might not be appealing. But, you know, they also, um, who knows, Chris Paul could want to chase a championship if they don't win one this year and maybe take a contract for a little less and stay on this team because they're only going to get better. And, and Devin Booker is the biggest reason why. So I, I've jumped on the Suns bandwagon. Um well, kind of since the beginning of the season, because I'm such a big Chris Paul fan. Um, but definitely once the playoffs started, I, I wanted CP3 to get his ring. And they've honestly looked like the best all-around, most complete team um, these playoffs. And, you know, look like, you know, I would say the favorites. Um, I know we'll get into it a little later, but the Bucks I think, are actually favored because um, they got the more top-heavy talent. But... This is the best all-around team. Everyone knows the roles. Everyone fills them well. And, you know, Chris Paul has put them in that place. And Devin Booker has, you know, taken the reins now that he's out. And, uh, you know, it, it makes you feel comfortable. Even if Chris Paul misses a couple more games this series, that they should, you know, be able to win this series. Um, Kathgar, what have, what have you seen from the Suns that you like this these playoffs? Yeah, I mean, uh, I definitely agree with pretty much everything you guys have said. I think another thing that, that needs to be said about Devin Booker is, is the efficiency. I mean, not just the scoring efficiency, 40 points on 29 shots, but he's not turning the ball over either. You know, he had triple-double, 11 assists, only turned the ball over twice, but despite playing pretty ball-dominant basketball. And I think, that, you know, I think a part of that probably has to do with Chris Paul being on the team to begin with. I mean, Chris Paul is such a good leadership presence. You definitely, you, you have to imagine he's taking Devin Booker under his wing a little bit. Uh, taught him to be a little bit more careful with the ball. Not that he's ever been a super high turnover guy either, but, you know, when he was playing sort of out of his role as a point guard uh, before this year, like like Andrew was talking about, um, you know, he didn't necessarily have any mentor that was going to be, you know, teaching him the ropes of that, of that position in the NBA. So I think Chris Ball is one of those players that, I mean, he makes everyone else around him better, even when he's not on the court. I think he, he definitely played a big role in that uh, just, in, just in yesterday's game with Devin. Um, but it's also it's a team wide thing, and I think that I think that also uh, speaks a lot to Chris's presence because but the whole team I'm, I'm seeing had 31 assists and only seven turnovers. I mean Cameron Payne also kind of running that other backcourt spot with next to Devin. He only had one turnover and nine assists. So I mean the team just plays really smart basketball, which you, but you you know you just see you just see Chris Paul in that you know every time they step on the floor. So um, it's one of those players that makes the whole team better. Whether it's whether it's Michael Bridges who's having a great year. Um, Devin Booker, or or just down the roster, Cameron Payne, you know, um, just just seriously, just elevating everyone around him. So, I, I like I like the Suns team. I like what they could do um, going forward, finishing out this series, and especially if they get CP3 back. I mean, the sky's kind of the limit. Um, the one thing I think it's challenging, and getting ahead of myself a little bit, you know, talking about title odds, is I don't know how they match up with Giannis if, if they do meet the Bucks in the finals, just because I think they just don't have that big athletic uh you know forward that can really run with him i guess you know it'd have to be probably jay crowder yeah jay um, crowder maybe 
Mikel Bridges isn't big enough, but they probably take a couple shots with him out of it. Maybe put Aiden on him and just back off and let him shoot. Um, but yeah, that's a good point. They they definitely don't have a Giannis stopper. There's not many people that do have a Giannis stopper on their team. Um, but yeah, that would definitely be a concern of mine. You know, obviously the biggest concern going into a potential finals matchup with the Bucks. I mean, that's a good point. I think the Suns fans got to be feeling good about Aiton, though, locking down the defense. His growth has been really good the last couple of years on that end, and you can tell he's something bought in on that. So, uh, I mean, it, there's no, like, perfect matchup for Giannis and, on their team, but I think Aiton is a, is a good bet. If he's not the primary assignment, um, he can at least, like, sag off whoever is the nominal center on that team. Um, and provide help down low. And you know, I think you made some great points about like how good the team is and how efficient the Suns are, that is. But I think they're also like the most fun team to watch that's left in the playoffs also. So just from an aesthetic viewer view, um, I am definitely all in on the Valley Boys. Uh, and I think a lot of the viewing public is as well. Yeah, I, I need to give me one of those Valley boys uh jerseys those things are sick need to give me a no i, I don't know if i'd get chris paul or devin booker but that'd be a tough decision maybe get both the great festival uh jersey yeah, yeah they're they're the next incarnation of the uh miami vice jerseys yeah those are those are out now it's it's all about the valley boys uh they're both they're both pretty tough but you know, you can't go wrong with either one. Uh, I got myself a uh, Tyler Hero, baby blue Miami Vice recently. So, but um, but yeah, if they win the title, I'll, I definitely will have to get. I'll probably get a CP3 because you know he's been my one of my favorite players for a long time, and you know he's the real catalyst behind this ascension this year. I mean, everyone thought they were going to take the leap forward, but I don't think uh, anyone thought it was going to be you know, getting this far and potentially, you know, being the favorites in a lot of people's eyes. Yeah, I love them. I love the story. Um, still hoping CP3 can come back soon and you can see them at full strength. Yeah, and we'll get we'll get to that a little bit later too. Um, talking about the injuries, I mean, I mean, this was a really well-played game too. I mean, uh, the Sun shot 55% from the floor, 41% from the three, and um, 100% from the line. They only, they only went there nine times, but they didn't miss any. So, I mean, they, they played great. Um, and it's not like the Clippers, you know, played poorly. Um, they uh, they got another great game out of Kawhi and, uh, or sorry, PG. Since Kawhi stepped out, he's, he stepped up averaging – over 30 points in those games. Um, he had 34, four and five yesterday. Um, and then Reggie Jackson just continued to amaze us all. Um, with another 24 point game, six, six boards, four assists, um, just making all kinds of plays on the offensive end. Um, from the ISO standpoint, I think, uh, Kevin O'Connor had a stat that, uh, I think it's in the playoffs. He has the 
best points per possession on any ISO out of all the superstars that are in the playoffs. So um, that's uh, that's pretty crazy. I don't think many people would have guessed that, <laughs> uh, to say the least. Um, but you know, he, he he's always shown you know ability, and you know he's always been a streaky scorer. He's never really been consistent when he's been relied upon anywhere close to this much and he really hasn't ever been relied upon quite this much but um he uh he's played great and he's he's given them a chance i mean you know with Kawhi out no one knows when he's coming back um they've been pretty hush hush about it um i've heard acl i've heard he might be coming back next game so i, I really don't know um but you know, with without Kawhi, if Jackson's playing this way, they still have a chance. I mean, obviously, they'd much rather have Kawhi back. Uh, who wouldn't? I mean, he's a top five playoff guy, um, unquestionably. He's, he's he leads the league in win shares in the playoffs. So, um, you know, they still have a chance too, and they can go small, uh, which you know could maybe play Aiden off the court at times and and present some matchup problems with them and you know um and they they can hit the three ball um you know better than just about anyone i think they had the best three point percentage um in the history of the nba during the regular season so yeah Cathcart, what, what do you think you seen from the clips that you like and maybe some something you might want to change I completely agree on Reggie Jackson. I think that one thing that's kind of interesting about him is, I mean, he's, he's always been a, a really good role player, right? Like he's, you know, six man of the year type of guy. But, it's, you know, a lot of times you see players like that thrust into a, you got to take over for a superstar role and they just falter. They're not, I don't know if it's a pressure type situation or what it is, but, you know, that's, that's just a difficult transition to make for someone that's really settled into their role. But he sounded it really, really well uh, this postseason, these last few games without Kawhi and, Definitely deserves some praise. Um, same with PG. I mean, PG is just doing what we always expect PG to be doing. Uh, it's kind of interesting to see. I mean, I, I feel like he just he tends to do better without when he doesn't have someone else there. You know what I mean? Like he's, he stepped up pretty big yesterday. He went seven for fifteen from three, um, and it's almost like he almost succeeds more when there's individually uh, when he doesn't have that number two that he has to share the, share the spotlight with, but. It'll be curious to see if Kawhi comes back. I'm not super confident that he will, but that's not based on any info. Like you said, it's, it's been very close to the chest, as it always is with him. Um, but uh, it, I think that they will have a tough time without him, just because yeah, their individual players will play well. But you just saw it. You saw yesterday they, they ran out. They ran out of gas in the fourth quarter. It was a really close game, but Phoenix pulled away. Um, so I, I I like the Clippers. They can shoot the three, like you said. They broke the NBA record for regular season. You, you would have thought that too. You know, you think. You, expect that out of the Warriors or, or whoever else, but um, they're, they're an efficient team when Kawhi's on the court. Um, I'm just not sure how much they can stand up to this, uh, this Suns team um, without him. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it will be a tough task. Um, you know, I think it really depends on who comes back first, who wins this series. Um, you know, I think there's a much better chance at Chris Paul. I mean, he could be back tomorrow night for game two. Um, from what I've heard, um, that's obviously not a guarantee. He's still got a, he'd have to test negative today and tomorrow, um, I think is the rules. 
um, because he's been vaccinated. He just has to test negative twice rather than wait the 10 to 14 days. So, um, yeah, Brownlee, what what do you think what, by what you saw from the Clippers and maybe some adjustments they might want to make? You know, potentially putting you know someone else on Devin Booker, playing the pick and roll defense a little differently, or um, you know, I think they have a few adjustments they can make. Yeah, so I think Tyloo has shown throughout the playoffs that he is willing to make adjustments and go away from you know what has worked in the regular season. Without Kawhi, obviously, he's been forced to do that even more, like tinkering with lineups and all that. But they already pulled out the small man lineup to put away the Jazz at the end of the last series, and that was really effective for them. I think it was still fairly effective against the Suns, uh, but like you, I think you guys have already mentioned it. Like, can they play that way the entire series without you know running into the ground, especially without Kawhi? So I think that is one major question mark. You know, I, I still think Aiton played well in the time they did play as a traditional center. Um, against even their small lineups and when Zubats is out there I, I think he's kind of overmatched in that matchup but uh, I am not the coach that's paid millions of dollars a year to figure these things out I think Ty Lu, he should get more credit for the work that he has done in the past and I think he is one of the coaches that is willing to switch things up. And, you know, he's like the opposite of Bittenholzer. He, he's willing to change things when they're not working and move away uh, even if it is, uh, you know, surprising or risky. So I think he will find an adjustment, um, you know, to some extent, it's just they might not have the personnel. And you look at the Suns roster versus the Clippers roster, I just like the players on the Suns a lot better, even with both CP3 and Kawhi out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I think it speaks to, you know, they both have two superstars, Um the Clippers are much more reliant on those superstars, you know, producing, you know, at a superstar level every night. Not that, you know, Booker and Chris Paul haven't played at superstar level during these playoffs, but they have a much better roster behind them, I would say. Um, and they can play different styles. Um, whereas the Clippers, you know, really are struggling to find anyone with any size that they can keep out in the court during the playoffs. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I think they'll have to, you know, if Kawhi comes back, you know, they, they probably have to, you know, put him on book or some. They, they obviously wouldn't do it the whole game. Um, you know, Paul George can definitely take some of that responsibility, whether or not Kawhi comes back. But um, you got to slow him down. Um, and then, you know, obviously if CP3 comes out, then you're, there's all kinds of adjustments that you have to make, um, accounting for, you know, the, the point God, um, and what he brings to the table and 
the leadership and how, how that team runs so efficiently when he's there. So I mean, one, one thing I did, we mentioned, you know, the Clippers were the best shooting team in the league this year and, you know, and they showed, you know, why they were in game one, they were 20 of 47, um, from three for 43% clip. And, um, I, I looked up and, you know, there's been 35 instances of, you know, teams hitting 20 or more threes in the playoffs. And not surprisingly, most of them come from the last five to six years. Um, but those teams were, this includes yesterday's loss from the Clippers, were 26 and nine um, in those games. So that doesn't bode well for you when you do have a superb shooting game like that and you still can't pull it out. Um, not that they, they can't win the series, but that's a game you want to have um, looking back on it. It's one that, you know, slipped away. I mean, they didn't play terrible. Um, so there's definitely reason to still be, um, still have a good outlook on them. And, you know, especially if you're hopeful that Kawhi's coming back. So, you know, unfortunately, like a lot of these series, um, injuries have played a big role. And, you know, these are the two biggest stars in this series. Um, Oh, I guess Chris Paul is an injury. It's COVID uh, only in this season would something like this happen, but um, that's just the way it's gone. And, and even though we've had a bunch of injuries and, you know, some people are talking about putting asterisk on this title because so many people have been out and, you know, um, you know, for instance, the Suns, you know, LeBron was hobbled. AD was out the last several games. You know, they didn't have Jamal Murray in the second round and, you know, you can make all these excuses up, but injuries are always a factor in the playoffs. Um, maybe not quite to this extent, but you still got to play good basketball, and there's no one playing better basketball than these Suns. And so I like them to win the series. Um, I, w- I would probably safely say if it, if Kawhi doesn't come back and CP3 comes back next game, I, w- I would say maybe five. Um, um, but I I'd probably should just say six just in case Kawhi does come back and. Uh, CP3, um, you know, is able to come back by game three, being kind of conservative. I feel like no matter what, he should be back for that game. So, um, you know, we, uh, we've gotten, you know, even though we've had all these injuries, it's been great basketball. We've seen like the, um, the, you know, shot making and skill level we've seen in these playoffs is, you know, been unparalleled to really many of the recent um, playoffs we've seen when, you know, I think in general shot making in the league has gotten at a much higher, higher rate. Um, and, you know, people are making tougher shots, taking tougher shots. And um, we've seen it across, across the board. Um, and, you know, one person we've seen it from is, uh, is Trey Young. Um, and he led the Hawks somehow beating the Sixers in seven games, um, a lot of people will point to Ben Simmons as that reason. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit, but let's let's start with the uh, the winners, the Hawks, <clears throat> and Trey Young. You know, we talked about Devin Booker making a leap here. Um, you can say the same for Trey Young, and I feel like they are they're both kind of on the same level before the season started. You know, fringe 
wannabe superstars that were just kind of all-stars. Um, and then, you know, they both had great regular seasons and then have taken an even bigger leap in the playoffs. Um, and, you know, Trey Young, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's just been a playmaker in these playoffs. Um, he, you know, didn't shoot the ball very well at all yesterday. Uh, I think he ended up five for 23, um, and two for 12 from three, but when they needed him most, um, up by three with two and a half minutes to go ball in his hands, you know, he had no hesitation in shooting a tough 30 footer off the bounce to put him up by six. And, you know, they never looked back after that. So, you know, at that point he was four of 22 and one of 11 from three and, you know, um, talking about confidence, it goes completely different direction for Trey Young as it does for Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons couldn't even shoot. Well, it wasn't even a shot. It was a dunk that he had. And Trey Young has been struggling all game, hasn't ever found um, his shooting stroke, but he knew that was going in. And he was, and he's just, he's ready to step up to the moment. I feel like he almost likes playing on the road more. Um, more than he does at home because he just likes to shut the crowd up. Um, but, you know, in this series, he averaged 29 points per game on with just under 11 assists and 1.7 steals. Um, and to, to the point I was just making, he you know, only shot 39% from the field, 32% from the three, and 86% from the line. So, you know, he didn't even play his best series and was still – just as important as anyone in this series from Embiid. Um, and he was able to lead his team to victory in just his third season. He's got him in the conference finals, hopeful for their first NBA finals appearance ever. Um, so what, what do you, what do you like from Trey Young Brownlee? I have really liked his playmaking ability. Uh, I think, you know, we've noted, his shooting from the last game and in general you know he's a good shooter i would say he's also audacious in his shooting so he'll yes. take those uh step back threes and he's never going to step back from a big shot like you said but he, he's never close to like a career level shooter um what his two best skills i would say he, he probably has two best skills uh are his ability to drive, finish, draw, contact um, to get his points, and then the way he's able to set up his teammates. And those work in a tandem, uh, work really well off of each other, but he has become a great facilitator. Uh, and you know, coming out of school, the comparisons as a shooter I think were primarily based on how, like I said, audacious his shot profile was um, in comparison to Curry, that is. But who he's turned into in on the actual basketball court is a different player, a different skill set, I would say. Uh, so he has definitely stepped up. I think they've also benefited from two teams that were not able to take advantage of his biggest deficiencies, um, being his size and uh, defensive 
uh, under indexing and performance, let's just say. Um, I don't know that the Bucks are going to be creative enough to take advantage of those deficiencies whenever we get to that next conversation, but he has definitely stepped it up and he's also been put into a great situation where he has a really strong supporting cast around him mm-hmm. that can help him on defense, that uh, can hit the shots that he sets them up for. So I think, you know, just coming back to, to draft day when the Mavs got Luca and we all love Luca and like everything he can do. Um, I think the way the Hawks have put together their team and just hit uh, on all these free agent acquisitions, they've hit on a lot of their draft picks. They've put a really strong team around Trey where he is thriving within that team. And, you know, he is the biggest uh, voice, biggest brand within that team, but he's definitely thriving within it. Uh, whereas we you know, we see Luca's kind of he is the Mavs um, and he is dragging that team forward. So you gotta love where Trey is right now, um, and they're another fun team to watch. And you know we'll see they they haven't backed down yet, so we'll see what happens in the next series. Yeah, and uh, Cathcart, you know we mentioned you know. Trey Young and Devin Booker, you know, kind of making a leap and being on the same level. Where where would you rank those two players right now? Um, you know, based off what you've seen in the playoffs from them and going forward. Jeez, that's tough. Um, you know, I, they're they're certainly both stepping into their own here in the, in the spotlight. And I think they're, you know, like we thought about their but I think so. Devin is twenty five, about to be twenty five, and Trey is still like twenty two. So uh, you know, I. Do I rank them as, you know, in the top three or five point guards in the league? I, I don't know. Probably not, but they're definitely knocking on that door right now. And I think, you know, going back to the whole thing about injuries, obviously not to the same level as Kawhi or uh, Chris Paul, but you know, Atlanta's been playing without DeAndre Hunter, who's been a major part of their team this year, especially earlier on in these playoffs. He's a, one of the best defensive presences in that backcourt. Um, and Trey Young has been able to, you know, step it up in, in that regard too. But, I think one of the things that's really interesting about Atlanta right now is, you know, we, we harped on it a lot, so I don't want to beat you dead horse, but he had arguably his worst game of the playoffs and the biggest game of the playoffs, but still managed to will his team to a victory. And I think uh, almost seems blasphemous to make this comparison, but it's the same kind of thing where he, he does make other people around him better, like Chris Paul does. Um, I think some of that is his playmaking ability, his ability to set people up, his really good vision, I think, which is a little bit underrated sometimes. Um, but I think a lot of it also is his confidence. I mean, you, you mentioned how you think he, I, you know, he plays. Seems like he likes to play on the road more. And I completely agree. And a really good cross cross sport comparison. I think I'd make there is uh, his Oklahoma brother uh, Baker Mayfield. You know, like those those guys like to they like to shut people up. They right? don't lack the confidence. What's up? They don't lack confidence. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's that confidence is uh, it's very. Um, you know, it, 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 when, you, when you're playing with someone that that's, conf- that's, that's that confidence, it, it makes you feel better about your own chances. You know what I mean? It makes you more confident in your shot. It's, it's a little bit contagious. So uh, I think we see John, with John Collins. You know, he, he got into it a few times with Embiid in that series. And I think that 
it's not to say that he doesn't have confidence of his own, but you know that swagger that Trey walks around with can certainly be infectious to the other players on that team. Um, and they, they certainly were able to pick him up yesterday. Um, but that was a really exciting game. That was a really exciting series. Uh, Brownlee, a point you made that I thought was really, really interesting is, you know, the, the 76ers weren't really able to take advantage of the deficiencies that Trey does have in his game. And it's almost, I mean, I guess it's not that surprising. You know, Ben Simmons has such a size advantage on him uh, and is certainly not as quick and shifty, but he's very athletic. But obviously we know Ben Simmons basically doesn't have any offense, so he's not going to be able to take advantage of Trey's defensive de- deficiencies. And uh, even even though Trey wasn't shooting the ball that well yesterday, I mean, it wasn't like Ben Simmons' defense was having a big part of that. I think he was just having a little bit of an off day. So I don't know if Drew Holiday will be able to play that role a little bit better um, with Milwaukee or not. But uh, i got to be honest with you, man. I'm, I'm really high on this Hawks team. If they can they can beat the 76ers with well, their best player has this – as the worst game of his playoffs, like sky's the limit for them too. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I never thought I would say that. I think they have a legitimate shot at winning the title. Um, yeah, I wouldn't bet on it straight up, but um, you know, they're here. They're making plays. They're as confident as the next person uh, or next team, and so yeah, I agree. Like they, they definitely are a threat to you know, beat the Bucks, and then, you know, anything can happen in a seven-game series, especially, you know, God forbid there's any other injuries or something like that happening, too. Like, you just never know how it's going to break um, in a short series like that. Um, so, yeah, and it wasn't just all Trey Young. I mean, he had, he had a lot of help from, uh, you know, Herter, who had a career high in the postseason at 27 points, seven boards. He had several tough... Um, Post-up shots, little fadeaways where he picked up a foul to um, coming down the stretch. And then um, he got fouled on a three-pointer late in the game uh, with under two minutes left and knocked down all three free throws um, to make it a two-possession game, which was huge. Um, so, you know, on top of that, they got a great series from Gallinari. Um, you know, when they signed him, this is kind of what they envisioned from him. You know, be able to provide outside shooting, take advantage of smaller matchups down the post and be an efficient scorer like he's been throughout most of his career. So, um, you know, I don't think they got, you know, he was injured injured for most of the regular season. Um, so that had a lot to do with his production during the, the regular season. But um, he's he's shown what he's capable of in these playoffs and, and why the Hawks, you know, signed him to a three-year, 60-something million dollar contract. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't have a ton to add to that, but... I did see on DeAndre Hunter's Instagram that apparently Herder's nickname is Red Velvet. I love that nickname. Is, like amazing. Yeah, <laughs> me as very a, smooth last night. Me as a fellow ginger wishes I had that nickname, but I'll stick with <laughs> Mister No Look though. <laughs> but so yeah, we we obviously wanted to give the Hawks their due, and it's definitely deserved. But. Um, the bigger story going forward, um, you know, is going to be is the process over in Philly, um, and it, right now, you know, everyone in sports media is pretty much saying yes. Uh, we like to overreact, um, you know, the next day to really anything we can, but um, you know, this in Simmons and Embiid situation, you know, um, you know, obviously Embiid, you know would have probably won the MVP had he not got hurt this year. Um, his production isn't an issue, but 
you know, no one's ever thought the Simmons and Embiid fit together was great. Um, and, you know, Simmons during the regular season is a, a different player. Like, you don't, your weaknesses aren't exposed as badly as they are in the playoffs. And there's not one player that has a more glaring weakness in his game than Ben Simmons. Um, I mean, when I, you know, played high school basketball, you know, we, we had a couple guys on our team that couldn't really shoot, um, but they they did everything else well. But, you know, our coach was like, when you get an open three, you have to shoot it. I, I don't care if it's going in or not, but you just have to make the other team think that you're going to shoot it so, like, our offense can function. And that's what that's what they don't have with Simmons. Like, their offense doesn't function completely because – they can just back off him, and he has no confidence. Um, you know, it couldn't have been more evident than when he passed up that dunk late in the uh, fourth quarter um, to pass it out for a three. So, you know, I, I heard the stat on um, Bill Simmons' podcast today with Ryan Rosillo, um, you know, saying he had zero field goal attempts in the last four fourth quarters of that series. Um, so, you know, it makes you think can he ever be a star in the playoffs? Like, yeah, he's made all-star teams and his defense is, you know, he's one of the best perimeter, well, most versatile and perimeter defenders in the league. Um, but that only goes so far in the playoffs. Um, and um, so what do you guys think? Is, is the process officially over? Uh I don't know, man. It's really hard to say. I thought, I thought it was interesting immediately after the game uh, in Doc Rivers' press conference when they asked him, you know, can you win a championship with Ben Simmons? He said, I don't know the answer to that question. And today he did a full 180 and he said, I'm throwing 100% of my support behind him. Like, I have so much faith in him, yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, first of all, I have a hard time buying that just because of the immediacy of it. But, um, yeah, but one, one of the things that the announcers were pointing out last night is, no playoff team can ever expect to win games when their second highest paid player is sitting out the last half of the fourth quarter in every game. Like he's not available in crunch time, or he's just not a you know he's not a clutch player. He, is, he can't shoot. Um, I, I think it is. Lutcher's the exact opposite of you know Trey Young. He has literally zero confidence at all. Like like you, like you hit the nail on the head with that whole dunk thing. It's like we weren't even talking about someone passing up a layup. He was by himself. Just just jump up and put that in. You know, it's two easy points, but. He, he was too afraid he'd get fouled. That's what it was. It wasn't yeah. that he thought he would miss the dunk. Because he was afraid someone would foul him. He missed both the free throws. Because frankly, he probably would have. So, um, I don't know. I don't I don't know if you can win a championship with Ben Simmons. Uh, Doc Rivers seems to think he's still is rehabilitable. But, um, I think it's definitely hard. It's definitely hard to see it. It's definitely hard to see it. Yeah. Yeah, I, um. I got some more stats to share. Uh, you know, we were comparing, uh, or, or we're talking about a another twenty-four-year-old that is killing it in the league right now. Um, they, as early as you know, last summer, I think, you know, there was a question as to like who has more promise, Ben Simmons or Devin Booker, and it was one of those things where I feel like. You know, whoever's camp you're in, like, you would just back that guy and, like, you know, it might come out as a wash. And if the execs were ever to, like, discuss would you trade for this player or not, it would be like both of them would say no to a trade between us straight up, between the two of them. Um, 
one other commonality they share is Devin Booker is apparently now dating. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, to keep uh, up with the Kardashians. Our, our man Ben Simmons' ex girlfriend. So maybe he's just shook <laughs> that the the love of his life is lost, and he just sees her. Uh, you know, the guy she's with now just putting up all these shots and he's just got poor game performance now from it. I mean, I hope that's not the reason. I mean, we've seen, I know she's not technically a Kardashian, but she's related to him and we've seen what that does to, you know, other NFL and NBA players. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's the reason for his struggles. Um, if, if it is, then, you know, maybe he needs to see a therapist, not a shot doctor. But um, <laughs> you know, you can you can only hope that's not affecting him. But you know, so I mean, you got to ask yourself, you know, Ben Simmons, if the process is over, he's the piece that's moving, right? And um, you're not trading Embiid. Like Harris had a pretty good season. I mean, I guess you could potentially think about trading him. He is trade value is going to be better than Ben Simmons right now. But you think back to when Brooklyn was, uh, or sorry, when Houston was trying to change James Harden, the second best offer they had on the table was a package centered around Ben Simmons. And I thought at the time, and I know a lot of other people did, that they should have taken that package because you, I mean, there are questions about his game, but you know you're getting a player that can be a star in this league. Whereas you don't know where those, like, you know, those picks coming from the Nets, like, you know, the next couple of years, they're not going to be very good. Um, all three of those guys can move on with within three or four years. And, you know, maybe they go back to sucking again and you get some good picks out of it, but it's so far down the line. Um, and so, I mean, you got yourself, what's the trade value now? Like, you know, I heard some trades being thrown out there today. Like, you know, would they trade him for C.J. McCollum straight up, or would they try to trade him for De'Aaron Fox? Uh, I doubt the, the Kings would want to move on from Fox, but, you know, players of that level where, you know, before the season last year, during the season, and, you know, towards the beginning of the year, like, be no-brainers, you know, the other teams would accept those trades, but now it's like it's too much of a dice roll, especially, you know, when you're, when those teams are trying to make a leap in the playoffs, whether get into the playoffs and then make some noise or like the trailblazers try to get over the hump in the playoffs. And so, um, I just don't think it's trade values there. Um, I know that's what everyone's calling for is a trade right now, but I just, I just don't see it as I just, I just don't think it's going to work out. Um, but you know, some might dust might settle over the next couple of months. Uh, maybe you trade him if he gets off to a good start next year, but I, I just I just don't see that being a viable option for them because of how low his value is right now. Not that I don't think they could do better with another point guard, um, but it just it's just hard to get the value like out of it, and um, and I, I just think it'd be tough. What do, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean. I, I know everyone else in the NBA was also watching these playoffs and seeing Simmons fall apart. Um, I'll play the other side of the coin 
quickly. As you mentioned earlier, he's 24 years old. He has you know insane athletic ability, measurables, uh, amazing on defense. Was you know at least passable on offense for you know part of his career at least. So I think someone can definitely still convince themselves that this is not a finished player and that Ben Simmons can still grow into a more well-rounded player and the if problem. he's able to improve his shooting then you know, so that's a big if though like, you know yeah. like every year you want to see like especially young players that are going to be superstars potentially or have the potential to do that um, you want to see him add something to their game and like we haven't really seen Ben Simmons add much to his game. Yeah, he's gotten a little better on defense, but that's just because you know, he's gotten more used to playing at the NBA level. He always had that in him with his size and athleticism, but he doesn't. He, it's not like he's even attempting shots, like let alone shooting a better percentage. So, like, I would have a hard time. You know, I would do everything I could if I were bringing him in to like explore any option to get him more comfortable with shooting the ball. Um, you know, a lot of people, including Kevin O'Connor at the ringer, um, thinks he should be shooting right-handed because he shoots 85% of his shots in the lane with his right hand, um, regardless of which hand is most convenient. And, and he honestly couldn't be a worse left-handed shooter. So why not try it? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think what I'm getting at is like, he's, Someone is going to convince themselves that they can save this, but you're right. His trade value is way down from where it was. Yeah, no, uh, you're right. I mean, this season. like, and people thought John Wall wasn't tradable, and <laughs> he got traded. So, um, yeah, yeah it, it, it that, definitely happened. I mean, what? Who do you think would say no in a Russell Westbrook for Ben Simmons trade? Um, I would hope the Wizards would. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> isn't that so sad though? Yeah, like, I mean, from where we were a year ago. Yeah, I mean, he was the other untradeable contract that the two of them got traded for each other. So, um, it proves to, to your point. You know, there'll be someone out there that is going to give him at least a legitimate offer. Um, you know, Daryl Morey's on the other end of this, so. You know, who knows what he'd be willing to take, but he's not just going to give him away. He's, he's too smart to do that. So, um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, we obviously have time until something like that, um, you know, materializes. But um, that's just definitely the knee-jerk reaction right now. Um, and then the other part of the process, Joel Embiid, I mean, he just – he needs more help around him. I mean, it was clear. I mean – Seth Curry was the second leading scorer in this series of 21 points. Um, he shot the ball really well, 61% from the field, 60% from three. Um, so he, you know, he was the second option really. I mean, Tobias Harris, you know, averaged 19 and and had a couple big buckets, especially yesterday down the stretch. But um, you know, he averaged these playoffs 28. Points, ten and a half boards, three point four assists, with one and a half blocks on fifty one, thirty nine, eighty four shooting splits. So, you 
know, he had his best postseason with extended play, and um, and one stat that's telling that he needs more help. You know, part of this is on him. Part of it's what he's being asked to do. Is for the first time since 1984, he had or anyone had, and this this were his stats: eight turnovers in back-to-back games. So, um, you know, he definitely made some bad decisions for some of those, but some of those he was put in a spot where he had to do something that he shouldn't have been asked to do and was trying to make the best of a, you know, shitty situation. And, uh, you know, that led to, you know, turnovers that, you know, led to some easy buckets for the Hawks. So, you know, just getting him some more help. I mean, the, the Seth Curry trade was a great trade. Um, Traded him for Josh Richardson. Um, you know, looked great during the regular season. Looked even better during the playoffs. So, um, it, you know, they, you'd obviously like to get a different second star next to him, but there's stuff they can do on the periphery that you know can help give Joel Embiid, um, you know, some more help and just take the load off him a little bit because you know, you know, while he handled it pretty well, um, you know. He could have used a break here and there, and you know had someone. The offense was essentially running through him at the center position, which you know, unless you're Jokic, um, that's generally not the best strategy. Casca, um, what, what do you think? Or go ahead, Brownlee. He, he did play great. Sorry, Ian. I'll turn it over to you in a second. Um, we we got to remember he had a torn meniscus throughout his power. Yeah, I forgot uh, to fail to mention that. He played amazing. Um, so, yes, he had eight turnovers, but I think that comes back to more of what you mentioned, just having to be the entire offense during this series, which is just, again, depressing when it comes to Simmons that he can't provide any more value to the team. Uh, but I, I, I think we should all feel... Uh, like MB put it all out there, played a great series uh, despite those turnovers and despite his injury. I think um, you know one thing we should be concerned about though is his injury history and yes, a reason why Maury might want to move Simmons sooner before he's had a chance to rebuild that trade value, like you mentioned, is that. Even though Embiid's only 27, you've got to think there is like a clock on their window, given the injury histories have already and the fact that he's like seven something and over 300 pounds or something like that. Like yeah, guys a, like that just don't last. Yeah, forever. not a good track record with those guys. Yeah. Sorry, Ian, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, my, my sort of devil's advocate with the whole situation comes down to. So in, in, let me be very clear. I'm not knocking him for this, but one thing that I think we saw in the series is that despite Joel Embiid playing extremely well, even though injured, completely agree, all the heart in the world, gotta give give the man credit. I don't think he's the type of player, and partially, I think this is partially just due to the position that he plays, and he's not a point center, like you said, he's not Jokic. He's not the type of player that immediately makes everyone else on the team better. You know what I mean? Like He is a fantastic player. They need to have another star there that they can bring the rest of the team up. Like Seth Curry does really well. 
actually think that was a great pickup for them. And honestly, they probably need to just expand his role a lot um, in the coming seasons. Um, but with regards to, you know, what, what do they do to, to make the team win around, around Embiid? I don't know if trading Ben Simmons, while I, I mean, you heard what I said before, I wholeheartedly agree that he is not the answer. I don't think that trading him is going to make them suddenly a more likely title contender next year because they're not going to get the return that would do that. There's no one that would trade. I I don't think you know. Andrew mentioned the you know what about Westbrook straight up. I don't think there's another team that would trade a, a player that can do that to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons. Um, and I think that's where Gellar Moore is in a really tight spot. Honestly, I think that's why you heard the turnaround I'm in, in Doc Rivers' answers to those questions. I think at the end of the game yesterday, he did not believe he could win a championship with Ben Simmons. And he went home, had a conversation with Daryl Morey, and realized that's probably that might that might be true. But I also don't think we can win a championship if we trade Ben Simmons because we're not going to get the return. There's there's just no value there. Um, and so he had to do an about face and say that I have all the confidence in the world in him because someone has to if he's not going to have it in himself, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean the turn the. The Joel Embiid turnovers are sort of indicative of how like he can't carry a team by himself. And that's not a knock on him. He just he shouldn't need to. You know what I mean? He's an amazing enough player that he definitely can win a ring. Um, but he's got to have some some help, and Simmons isn't going to provide it. Yeah, I mean, I think like to summarize what you're saying is, uh, Darren Morey's going to have to pull some magic out of the hat. You know, he's he's done it before, um, so we can't doubt that if anyone can get the best value on it. Ben Simmons trade, it, it's probably him. Um, whether or not he's able to pull that off you know, remains to be seen. Um, but, you know, you talked about Ben Simmons and his deficiencies. Well, Doc Rivers also has, you know, some um, collapses on his resume more so than just this series. So, you know, within the last six years, he's got these on his playoff resume you know, lost last year with the Clippers up 3-1 to the Nuggets. Um, game 7 versus the Rockets in 2015, up 20 going into the fourth quarter with Lob City. Um, and games 4 and 5 in, the, in this past series, you know, they were the only team to ever allow an 18-plus comeback, 18-plus point comeback in back-to-back playoff games with um, a 26-point lead in game 5. So, I mean... I think he is a great coach for the most part, but there's something to be said for that. I don't think it's a coincidence that you have, you know, all three of those on your resume in a short period of time when it matters most. Like, um, I, I just, I think he doesn't necessarily always handle the pressure well enough to manage his teams through that because, you know, when things do start going south, whether, you know, you're up 20 in the fourth quarter and suddenly it's an eight point game, they're looking at the coach for answers, um, and Doc hasn't had those answers. Um, another stat here. Um, so, in the last two playoffs, a team with a 16-point lead is 76 and three. That's the rest of the league. So, 96% win percentage. Doc is 11 and five. So he's got more losses than the rest of the league, and you know a fifth of the games. So, yeah, um, I think that's a really telling stat because um, it's, it's not just happening once. It means it's over and over again. And yeah, some of it is bad luck. Like, you know, 
Game 7 versus the Rockets, you know, who thought Josh Smith and was going to go off in the fourth quarter and start nailing threes. Like, you can't plan for that. And if you lose to that, sometimes you got to be like, all right, I can handle losing to that, but I'm not going to let him beat us, you know, any other way. With James, Well, James Harden was on the bench during that game, too. So it just raises even more questions. So they got a lot to work out there in Philadelphia. I mean, they're not going to fire Doc because um, I think – Honestly, this team overachieved this year during the regular season, especially with Embiid missing as much time as he did. Um, and um, so, yeah, he's just—he's another coach that just can't make adjustments in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like, like we mentioned earlier, you gotta crush them. Them being the Hawks when. They're just like running Trey Young all the time. At some point, they had Trey Young and Lou Will in their game, and that should be the worst defense of all time. But Philly <laughs> yeah. uh, just couldn't score against it, which is sad to be honest. Yeah, you actually reminded me of something that happened in that was a game five where the Hawks came all the way back and scored like forty in the fourth quarter. I remember watching that game, and after a timeout, earlier on in the fourth quarter, the 76ers were still up, like, you know, I don't, I don't remember exactly at the moment, but they were still up probably 10 to 15 points, but Atlanta had already kind of started their comeback. They, they went into the huddle with uh, with Duck, and he was sitting here telling all his players how, you know, this, is, hey, this isn't about them, this is about us. Like, we had the lead, but, you know, we're the ones defending this. Like, we're, you know, all this kind of stuff, and then the Hawks you know, obviously proceeded to come all the way back again, and then it wound up winning that game, and I, I, for one, love Doc Rivers. As a person, as a coach, I mean, he's, he's just a stand-up guy. I'm rooting for him. I totally want that guy to get a ring. I, I, I have to agree. I think that he's got some deficiencies when it comes to, I don't know, saying the right things, motivate, motivating his guys in, in those tough spots. You know, like, he's really good when things are going well. Um, but I don't think he makes very good adjustments. Um, I think that he relies too hard on just, like, doing it the way we've always done it, and I think that's come to bite him in the ass a number of times. I think, uh, I don't know if the answer is, you know, hoping that he changes. I don't know if, you know, Daryl Morey needs to surround him with, you know, micromanagers that can help individual players. You know, I I don't know what the answer is, but I want him to win one, even though I don't really like the Sixers just because I like him. But uh, he's, he's, he's... the numbers don't lie. The numbers that uh the John read off there are a little insane, especially the seventy six and three versus uh eleven and five. That's that's pretty astounding. Yeah, I have to credit Chris Vernon from the Ringer with that one. Um, he, he pulled that one up on the podcast the other day, and I I was like, I got to steal that one. So, um, yeah. So the Sixers obviously have a lot of questions to answer during the off season. Um, and you know, let's we can move on to the other um, conference, Eastern Conference semifinals: the Bucks Nets Game Seven. Um, the Bucks were able to outlast the Nets, and I think that's a good way to put it. If you were watching that game, it looked like every player on the court was about to collapse when the game went into overtime, and yeah. the overtime was not very well played. Um, but which is fine, you know, like doesn't always have to be the best play. It's just in such situations like that. It's fun just to watch them compete as hard as they are and know that they're putting everything they have on the, you know, out there. And so, you know, I, 
let's just start with the Nets and, um, you know, where, where else to start? You know, obviously they had, you know, the biggest injuries of any team in the playoffs and, you know, really they're, you know, talking about all the Sixers adjustments for next year, their, their adjustment is just be healthy when the playoffs come around. And they were clearly the best team when they were all healthy. Um, we just didn't get to see that much during the regular season or in the playoffs. So, um, you know, Kevin Durant, um, absolutely, um, killed it in these playoffs, reminding us, you know, how good he was the, you know, the last three years, you know, really his whole career, but, you know, I think he really took it to another level on his three years in the playoffs with the Warriors. Um, you know, he obviously went down with the Achilles injury and the 2019 finals, but, you know, before that he was playing probably the best basketball he's ever played. And, and he, he had the best playoff um, run that he's ever put together um, when you look at the stats. And so, you know, and obviously one of the big things was the injuries. So once Kyrie went down, um, you know, James Harden came back, but, you know, he was a shell of himself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, at, at best. So, I mean, it was really KD was the only option that the Bucks had to worry about. Um, and in those three games after Kyrie went down, he averaged 43, 12 and six playing 47 minutes per game. So there's not much else you can ask from an individual than that, uh, to say, to say at least. So he stepped up when the team needed him the most, put him on his back. Um, and you know, they just weren't able to pull it out at the end. Um, not, not his fault at all. Um, I still can't believe that shot was not a three um, to send the game into overtime. I, I lost my mind when I saw it. I thought it was a three. Uh, clearly wasn't. I mean, it was super close, but, you know, it wasn't debatable once you saw the replay. And, you know, that would have been a shot you'd remember for the rest of your life. I mean, you still might remember for the rest of your life. But um, if it had won the series, I mean, that would have just been insane. And what a way to, you know in the series, you know, it was a great up and down series, you know, every, every other game, it was like, oh, this team has no chance to win the series. Okay. Now the Bucks don't have a chance. Now the Nets don't have a chance. And it's just like all over the place. Um, everyone thought it was going to be a real competitive series going into it. I mean, it did go seven games, but the individual games weren't necessarily always competitive. Um, still filled with as much drama as you could ask for. Um, and speaking on Durant, you know, he put up in the playoffs in the two series, 34.3, 9.3 boards, 4.4 assists on 51, 40, 87 shooting splits with one and a half steals, 1.6 blocks. So, I mean, you can't ask for anything more than that. And he gave, gave them everything they wanted and more. Um, I, I'm going to work on an article starting tomorrow. Um, kind of been an idea I've had for a little while is to, you know, look at the playoffs and after the playoffs decide, I don't need to wait top of the playoffs for this one, but decide who the best player in the world is, because that's, that's when we decide it. Um, the MVP is a regular season award. Sometimes who wins that award is also the best player in the world, but, um, it, it's definitely decided in the playoffs and, um, we don't have to wait till the end of the playoffs to know who the best player in the world is right now. 
Um, it's it's Kevin Durant. Um, and it, so, go ahead. It is insane he's doing it two years after an Achilles. Yeah. Um, that's supposed to be like career ending or career the worst injury yeah. for a basketball player. You're yeah. never going to get back to the point you were at. But I mean, he seems like his game five performance rate was just insane. And game seven was amazing too. And like you said, it was half an inch away from being incredible all time. Yep. Yep. And then, you know, obviously he didn't get much help in the series. That was the, you know, probably the biggest issue. I mean, yeah, the injury sucked, but you know, I hate to do this to you guys because I know he's your boy, but Joe Harris laid an actual, you know, absolute egg in the series. Um, he, you know, he came in as the fourth leading scorer on the team, which, you know, doesn't sound that great, but when you're behind Kyrie Harden and Durant, like, that that's meaningful. He, you know, he averaged fourteen point one points during the regular season, um, shooting fifty one percent from the field, forty eight from three, and seventy eight from the line. Um, in this series, um, you know, he he had a bigger role, played more minutes, um, but wasn't able to capitalize on those opportunities. Um, it, it, it was uh, nine point six points per game, shooting. 35 from the floor, 33 from three, and 50 from the line, um, including a one for 11 in game three and a two for 11 in game five. So that I was pretty brutal that they, you know, not that they initially needed him to like replace Kyrie Irving. Like I don't, no one was asking him to do that, but just to, you know, shoot the ball. I mean, he, he was the best shooter in the league. He, he had the highest three point percentage, um, you know, just, be consistent like he had been all year is what they needed out of him. And he wasn't able to get, give that to him, you know, in the regular season, they were 14 and one when he scored 20 or more points. Um, so he was, he was the ultimate X factor for them and they didn't get what they needed out of him. Um, they didn't get much out of their bench at all, which, you know, I thought had been a pretty good unit, especially in the playoffs. Um, you know, they had, with all the injuries they had had to use a lot of their bench throughout the regular season and, and in the playoffs. Um, so, you know, you can blame it on the injuries too, but they were right here. I mean, they were one inch away from winning the series and, you know, one shot from Joe Harris or, you know, um, any other role players from moving on. And, you know, maybe Harden comes back next series and, isn't a shell of himself and they have, you know, then they're the favorite again to win the championship. And maybe they're still the favorite with Durant as, you know, the only star that's healthy on the team. Cause he's just that good. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's a little harsh to you know, blame the whole series loss on Darius. And I don't think that's what you're doing, but you're, I mean, you're obviously correct. You definitely need to step up more. Um, I just wanted to throw some shade at a UVA guy being a tech guy, you know, <laughs> I think uh, I think it's similar to uh, the Reggie Jackson issue with the Clippers. You know, he is really, really good in his role, and when he was asked to do significantly more than that, um, he had a hard time living up to you know just just, just filling that role. Um, I don't think that you know this is a problem for Joe Harris moving forward. I think that he's proven that he is actually a pretty clutch player. Um, this was just a blip on the radar. I hope because um, obviously I'm super biased and, and love Joe Harris, but. Yeah, they definitely needed him to do a little bit more, and I think that if, I think I agree with you. If, they, if he could have just, I mean, hit one more three in Game Seven, you know what I mean? They probably 
they might win that game based on the final score. So uh, you can make it to the next round, give James a chance to get back. Uh, they might be looking at a very different conversation in the Eastern Conference right now. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not forget that after game two, even into the beginning of game three, like this series was over. Yep. Before Kyrie got injured, mm-hmm. uh, rolling over his ankle on, I think, Giannis uh, undercutting him. Yeah, well, it's- uh, this series was over. Like the, the Bucks had zero chance, and they looked completely outmatched, and they still were barely able to win this series despite two of uh, – Wilkins, three best players going out. So I know we're going to talk about the Bucks soon, but I, I think we should all carry forward a healthy sense of skepticism about how far this Bucks team can go and how good they are. Yeah, uh, I, I know all the, a lot of teams are injured right now, um, so it might just be they are going to survive by being healthier than everyone else, but I can't imagine anyone felt inspired by their play. Like, Budenholzer was supposed to be fired like three days ago <laughs> before Harry got injured. He still might get fired if they won the championship. Yeah, exactly. Like, have you ever felt worse about a title favorite? I think that they are title favorites at this point. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, they look terrible. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think one of the biggest reasons, you know, their biggest acquisition in the offseason um, was Drew Holiday and um, you know they were expecting him to round out their big three and um, he has not filled that role here in the playoffs uh, he's averaging 15 points a game um, six six boards and seven and a half assists so I mean the assists are there you like to see that but he's shooting 40% from the field 25% from three and 70% um from the line, so I mean, he's he's not scoring effectively. Um, he's not really running the offense um, like you'd like to see it and controlling the pace. Um, he's he's shot a lot of threes and obviously hasn't shot them well. Um, I think he's settled too much instead of getting to the hole um, and trying to create for others as well. Um, so I think he's, you know, he's the biggest, you know. Um, catalyst to changing this uh, narrative around where it's like, no, the Bucks are actually good enough to win the title and, and deserve to win. Um, but, you know, we'll see if he can actually turn it around and, and change his play to closer to what we saw from him in the regular season. I don't know. I actually think I might slightly disagree there, only because of the fact that, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong about this assumption, but I'm assuming that he's going to be the one they turn to to lock down Trey Young um, in this next series in Atlanta. Yeah, and I mean the energy that Trey Young plays with, you know, how much they're really going to need Drew to be, you know, 100% present on defense. I almost wonder if the right move is to say, "Listen, we need you to go 110% on defense, and then we're going to let Chris Middleton and Jonas run the show offensively because one, your efficiency hasn't been in these playoffs anyways. Two, we're not winning if we can't stop Trey Young." Um, and three, frankly, I, Chris Middleton has been really good in this playoffs. And I think that he, obviously, Jonas is too. They've both been playing really well. But um, I think that solely for the for the, for the issue of stopping Trey Young and, and, frankly, just how much energy it takes to do that, 
they might be better off saying, make sure you're really locking down on defense and let uh, let Chris and Jonas run the show on offense. Oh, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that he will give be given the majority of the assignment on Trey Young. And, you know, he was first team all defense this year, rightfully so. Um, so, yeah, he can have just as much of an impact on that side of the ball. Um which, you know, might be just as important, if not more important. Um, you know, but you know, Giannis is finally trying to shut up all the haters that said, you know, he can't do it in the playoffs. Um, you know, early in this series, everyone was calling for his head because he wouldn't shop shooting threes. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's, it's rightfully so. I mean... Uh, I can read out his stats. He's this playoffs is t- 29 points per game, 14 boards, five assists. He's shooting 61.5% on two point field goals and 19% on three point field goals. So, I mean, whenever your offensive strategy, or it's not their strategy, but whatever, whatever you do on offense leads the other side, the defense to exhale and say, wow, I'm glad he did that. That shouldn't be what you do. <laughs> Because that's what they do every time he shoots a three. Everyone's just like, thank God he didn't try to go to the rim because we cannot stop him. And I yeah, understand. them the whole series. I mean, no, no one was within two feet of him when he was outside the arc. Yeah. And rightfully so. I mean, if it, that's how you're going to lose, go down that way. But don't, you know, don't just let him get to the hole at will. I mean, there's only so much you can do other than, you know, pack the paint um, and try to make him, you know, pass the ball to his teammates and make them beat you. Uh, yeah, they need to go Mean Girls on Giannis and <laughs> get through to him that he's not going to make fetch happen. <laughs> his three-point shot, is fe- it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Definitely not this playoffs. You know, he, he has made some improvements over that. I mean, he was almost like Ben Simmons, you know, a few years ago. Uh, um, but, you know, that's not, like I said, you know, you're bailing the other team out every time you do that. And um, you want to make them work as hard as they can on every possession um, in the playoffs, especially. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because, I mean, over the course of his career, his, his shot has, has gotten pretty good. He's gotten more comfortable with it. I get why he's taking him. It kind of goes back to your comment earlier, John, about you know, your high school coach saying, like, if they're going to leave you wide open, you have to make him respect you. But they only respect you if you start hitting him. So, um, you know, his game has improved in terms of his mid and long range jump shot. Uh, I don't think that that's the missing piece to him winning a title, to be perfectly honest with you. You want to see it improve in him just to see him you know, improve as a player. But uh, he doesn't need to go outside of himself to win a championship, I don't think. And right now, you know, taking. Taking, uh, he's averaging, he's averaging just over four threes a game in the playoffs, and that's more than he took in the regular season. He's shooting at worse. So, yeah, stick, stick to your game. Uh, you're 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 going to be able to win. You know, just playing your game. Don't don't try to do too much. It's kind of funny. We're saying the opposite about Ben Simmons, but it's you know, I, Ben Simmons isn't the same player as Jonas. Ben Simmons doesn't have another offensive game to go to. Jonas does. It's so. true. Yeah. And yeah, the other option, you know, at the end of the games, you know. Giannis, you know, one, they don't want him to get fouled because he's struggling from the line. Um, you know, he, he tends to do that. It's not anything new. 
Um, and then, you know, they, they'll just wall them off um, at the end of the game and just make the other teams beat them. So, you know, what what they really need to do at the end of the games is go to Chris Middleton um, and, you know, it, use his versatility as a scorer. Um, he's not a bad creator as well. Um, and he can beat you from all three levels. Um, so, you know, they did that in game six and when he, I think, had 38. Um, and so I think they're going to need him to play well, especially down the stretches of these games um, going forward and, and, you know, series and the finals if they make it um, to be able to win because um, Giannis just, he's, he's not the same score as he is in the first 44 minutes of the game as he is in the last four. And um, having, you know, second option like that um, is, is a nice luxury to have. Um, and he's a very efficient scorer um, and, you know, showed he, he's, he can step up when he's called upon, which he hasn't um, in the past couple playoffs. But this, this season, um, he has been willing to step into that role. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with that more. I think that I think that uh, Middleton is the more clutch player, um, and I think that Jonas needs to. I mean, honestly, Jonas is pretty good about this, but use his skills to be a facilitator in those situations. He's he's actually a pretty good, uh, pretty good distributor when you get down to it. So they're going to key on you at the end of the game, probably. Um, so be sure to always have your eye out for Chris. If not, and like you said, actually, Chris can make his own shot too. Hundred percent can make his own shot. Yeah, I think that obviously Giannis is your number one option as you know over the course of a game, over the course of a season. But uh, when it comes down to clutch time, if I'm uh, if I'm Budenholzer, yeah, I want I want to see that ball go to Chris Middleton. Yeah, and to a point Brownlee made uh, on the first podcast we did, you know, use use Middleton and Giannis in the pick and roll. If Giannis says the uh, the guy said in the screen, um, let him roll to the hole. You know, if they double Middleton, it's game over once you get Giannis the ball four on three and. A, had a steam to the rim and if if they respect Giannis too much you know Middleton can hit, hit the three or the the mid-range jumper that he gets out of it yeah that is a brutal pick your poison scenario there for sure yeah so I mean unless you guys have anything else to add on on this series or you know what you see in the Eastern Conference Finals um I was just going to move on to some title odds and finals predictions. You guys got anything else? Let's do it. All right. So we can kind of just do a round robin here and pick both of them. So titles odds right now um, on Monday night is Bucks plus 105, Suns plus 150, Clippers at plus 800, and the Hawks at plus 1100. So, you know, to me, um, none of those are actually that enticing, to be honest. Uh, I think I think the Hawks is the most enticing, just you know, taking the big odds because um, I, I think it's these playoffs have been crazy. You don't know what's going to happen. The Hawks are playing with a lot of confidence, like we talked about. Um, I, I obviously wouldn't pick them as a favorite to beat the Bucks and then either beat the Suns or the Clippers, but. Um, with the Clippers without Kawhi, I, I don't like those odds necessarily. And then you're not getting much value with the Bucks and the Suns. What, what do you guys see there? I just cannot believe that the Bucks are plus one of five yeah. right now. That's basically saying there's even odds for them to win the next two series. Yeah, 
I mean, that is that's crazy. To me. Um, I, I think that's got to be the worst value for money. <laughs> um, but like you said, I don't know. There's a lot that really inspires me. Um, yeah, maybe the Hawks, but yeah, I mean, like, there's I only the so many Bucks, choices. It's just it's scaring me so much. <laughs> I can't believe that's real. Yeah. Cathcart, what do you what do you see anything other than what we saw or pretty much the same? With regards to speaking to the odds, like I don't see the Suns as beginning worse off than the Bucks, other than the fact that they have a slightly harder road to get there, I guess, you know, based on the odds makers. So I I I think that Suns plus one fifty is not a terrible value. Um, but I agree. I think that the Hawks have a have a better shot than people are giving them credit for because of a lot of the things I said earlier. I mean Trey's got the playoff confidence. He's he's spreading that to his teammates. Um, I, you know, straight up, I wouldn't pick them, but I would almost certainly take them at these odds. To be honest with you, and yeah, I mean, I I think that they're quite undervalued. All right. Well, now let's get into our actual finals predictions. What we think is going to happen in these conference finals, and who is going to win it all? We've seen a lot go down since the last podcast um no one thought we'd see these four teams as the last four standing especially with some of the injuries sustained um and i believe it's been like over 50 years since any of these teams have won a championship i think the bucks won in 1969 i could be wrong but um the clippers have never won one the hawks never won one and the suns never won one so um it will be a new champion, which I think uh, a lot of NBA fans, especially ones that don't have a invested interest in a particular team, like to see some fresh blood because you know that it's one of the good things and bad things about the NBA is you generally the best team wins, um, which is good. Like you want to see them crowned, but the best teams are also the teams in the biggest markets um, generally, and they generally have good teams year after year. Um, and so it gets a little old from time to time, um, especially, you know, basketball more than any sport you see, you know, title runs of, you know, three to five years where you're winning potentially three in a row or two in a row or three out of five or something like that. Um, so it'd be nice to see, you know, a new team win. Um, and you know, for me, I, I, I'm going with the Suns as my champion, um, I don't feel good about it, but I'm going to say they match up with the Hawks. Um, just because I, I would just, like what Brownlee said, I'm just not inspired by the Bucks. Um, even though I wrote a big piece on how they would beat the Nets at full strength before that series. So um shows how fast your opinions can change, especially in the playoffs. Um, but I think no matter who the Suns play, they should be the favorites. They're the best all-around team like we talked about before and, you know, are awaiting their superstar back. Um, and he will be coming back versus Kawhi Leonard. We do not know whether or not he is. Brownie, what do you what do you think? What do you got? I picked the Suns as my eventual champion during our first podcast. Yep. I'm going to stick with that. There you go. Um, and... I will also say Hawks. I think what could be a good, fun bet is uh, betting on a Suns-Hawks final. Yeah, I don't know what the odds are on that, but um, 
Like you have to think they're 1,500 maybe. Yeah, I uh, just have completely lost all faith in the Bucks. And <laughs> we can tell. <laughs> Clippers are already down a game. They don't have their best player. Um, Suns have a great, theoretically, getting their best player back, possibly tomorrow, if not that, then probably the next game. So, yeah, I'm feeling Suns for sure. And then Hawks, just because I don't want to watch this terrible Bucks team. <laughs> Got to wrap it up for us. Well, you guys ruined it for me. Boring AF. I was 100% going to have to do the exact same thing. Suns, Hawks, and then Suns pull it off. I think Chris Paul is the one guy who can definitively knock it, lock down Trey Young. Um, you know, nothing against Drew Holiday's first team All NBA for a reason, but uh, Chris Paul's got the experience. He's got the he's got the he's got the know. He's got the smarts. You know what I mean? He's not just a super athlete. Um, so I think I think I think that's how I think that's how it plays out. I think the Suns wind up taking this this series with the Clippers. Honestly, maybe five games. You know what I mean? Like I just don't see the Clippers hanging with them right now. Uh, and I mean, Hawks Bucks will go longer than that. You know, I think Jonas is. It's kind of funny. Jonas and Trey both are playing with chips on their shoulders. Trey just constantly has a chip on his shoulder. To a certain degree, he he invents them. Although they're they're definitely there. Um, and Jonas, you know, he's, you're right. He's got the monkey on his back about he can't do it in the playoffs. And you know, you know, he wants to prove people wrong with that. So, um, I do think that unlike Brownlee, I do think that the Bucks, uh, Hawks series will be a better series. Um, I think it'll be a pretty good one. Um, I think that the Bucks will pull it together for that reason about Jonas, but I do think that the, the Hawks will prevail and they'll, they'll eventually fall to the Suns. Well, I never thought I'd see the day where three people on a podcast all pick the Hawks to be in the NBA Finals, but you have it here. We want to thank you for joining us. Please check out my blog as well. You can find it at mrnolook.com. You can also find me on Twitter at jwhited, W-H-I-T-E-D, 5, and then jwhited, 757 on Instagram. Thanks for joining us. Thank you guys. And peace. Thanks so much for having me, John. Really appreciate it. Anytime, bro.